It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wall line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly. Only tackle in the corner. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Roundtable Podcast, brought to you guys by the Pulse Podcasting Network, and me, your host, Matt Bruning. You can hit me up at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter. This is part two of our AFC West Division Breakdown Series. It'll be the last episode on this. We'll be moving right into all of the 2019 rankings and prospects, uh, which will be coming out next week. Today's episode, we'll have Matthew, Mr. Matthew Fox and Dennis Bennett on with us again today to talk about the Denver Broncos and the Oakland Raiders. And we're back to talk about the AFC West Part 2, starting with Mr. Matthew Fox's team, the Denver Broncos. And I'm going to let you do most of the talking here because although you have, you have seen a lot of success with this team, obviously you have multiple Super Bowl championships, and you've had a lot of good teams here in, I would say, the past couple decades. So I feel your pain. I know, I know what you went through this season because I've done it pretty much my entire lifetime. So I understand watching the team that you had such high hopes for kind of struggle this year. A lot of that going onto Case Keenum uh, just did not come over to Denver and do it all with John Elway or really I think the Broncos had hoped that he would. Obviously had a great year in Minnesota the year prior, uh, but just could not seem to recapture that magic with the Broncos. They move on from him and they bring in Joe Flacco. I actually thought it was a pretty decent move. I'm pretty sure Dennis agreed with me, um, thinking that it will help out some of these wide receivers, and that's what I want to touch on. I want to get your opinion, Matt. Do you think, with Joe Flacco coming over here, he will be able to give a second-year bump to Cortland Sutton and Deshaun Hamilton? Well, I think, arguably, the the biggest improvement for Denver was changing coaches. Um, Okay. Anyone who watched much of the Broncos, it became pretty clear that Vance Joseph is not a professional coach in any way, shape, or form. He often seemed confused and made very confusing uh, calls. I think that last year's team underperformed, and it was certainly a disappointment, as was the year before it, but Denver could have been better than its 6-10 and record if we had had a professional coach. I think they were at least a 9-7, and 8-8 eight eight kind of team. I think far too much blame 
got put on Case Keenum alone. He was not great, and he made some horrific decisions, um, especially early in the season. He missed some wide-open throws. But Denver had a ton of injuries, including just getting decimated on the offensive line. Our offensive coaching staff was very poor and very mediocre in their play calls. It was incredibly frustrating to watch uh, as a fan. So, you know, if you look at the career numbers, uh, Case Keenum actually ends up, uh, over the time they've been in the NFL, with a higher yards per pass attempt and TD percentage than Joe Flacco. So Joe Flacco is Case Keenum with a better name and a better playoff record. You know, I'm hopeful that he'll do some things. Uh, We got some better coaching staff in there. Rich Gangarello, who came, uh, was the quarterback's coach in San Francisco and is credited with helping find Nick Mullins as an undrafted free agent and helping uh, to coach up C.J. Beathard. We saw those guys have flashes for San Francisco. Um, That gives me some hope. And Denver had probably the best draft that I've seen them have in a decade last year, especially among offensive skill position players. What we got in Cortland Sutton, Deshaun Hamilton, Royce Freeman, the undrafted pickup of Philip Lindsay uh, gives me a lot of hope uh, that they'll make some strides this year. And I think Flacco has typically always been a better deep ball thrower. Um, and that's one thing Case wasn't great at that could benefit uh, Cortland Sutton. To me, the biggest benefit for Sutton is going to be if Emmanuel Sanders comes back to, t- to draw coverage um, because watching them play last year, Cortland Sutton really struggled and really got exposed when he became the primary target for defenses. Do you think that, uh, what is uh, Sanders, 31, 32 years old, he and he's is. coming off an, uh, an Achilles, which is... Uh, one of the toughest injuries to come back from. So you don't think that Deshaun Hamilton and Tim Patrick can step up in their second year and, and Sutton and be able to step up to to take that next step without Sanders? Uh, Sanders will be 32. Um, so it definitely is a lot to come back from. Uh, the reports here are that he's already running and cutting. He says he's wow. in line to be ready for camp. So... Um, I guess I'll believe it when I see it. I think if he's if he's there, it benefits Sutton. If he's not there, um, I think the big benefit to me would be Deshaun Hamilton, who we saw down the stretch last year, be uh, the better of the two rookie wide receivers. Um, I like Hamilton a lot. I think Tim Patrick is fine uh, for what he is. I'll be curious to see if he continues to develop and pick up. It was a pretty low barrier commitment they made to him as a exclusive rights free agent. Um, you know, kind of a journeyman young guy. I'm excited about Sutton and Hamilton potentially. I just thought um, Sutton benefited a lot more when he wasn't the primary focus of the defense. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised you said that about Sanders. I honestly thought they'd have him on like the designated to return list at the beginning of the season. He wouldn't come back till about week ten, uh, just based on how late that injury happened. So the fact that he's already running and cutting, uh, you know, I know you said you'll wait to see if it, he actually shows up to camp and is able to play. But I, I feel like that's good news at least at this point for him to already be doing that coming off an Achilles injury. Uh, you did mention them picking up undrafted rookie Philip Lindsay. Uh, you know, I am the biggest member of his fan club. Uh, we've 
we've had many discussions about him. Do you think that he can repeat his great rookie year this season? It's certainly possible. Uh, it it will benefit him. You know, big question I think for all of these Broncos is what happens with our offensive line. Our offensive line got destroyed last year. A lot of injuries. Um, they went and picked up Jawan James to try to bolster right tackle, but at the same time we lost some of our depth guys like Billy Turner and Max Garcia, and the biggest loss to me was Matt Paradis, who's been our rock at center for a long time, seeing him leave. So I still have quite a few questions. I'm excited about Mike Malarkey coming in to be the offensive line coach. I think that could give him a real boost. Hopefully he can get the most out of Garrett Bowles and James. We still have Ronald Leary, who's a good guard when he's healthy. Connor McGovern is supposedly being slated to take over the center position, and then we have some other young pieces who may slot in at the guard, but there's a lot of questions to me about how that unit plays, and I thought the more injuries that we had going deeper in the season, the more you saw Lindsey and Freeman's numbers come down, uh, and the less time the quarterback has to throw, and Joe Flacco is going to be 34. He's had some hip and back injuries. He's torn his ACL at least once in his career. He's not a guy who is known for running away from people. Uh, so, you know, if we can't protect and we can't open holes, that's going to be a problem for all these talented young players. Yeah, if they don't, if they don't beef up that offensive line, it could, it could be a tough year. You know, Lindsey came out of nowhere, and yes, he had a, a really nice rookie year. I think it's going to be more of a 50-50 split between uh, Lindsey and Freeman, and that Freeman uh, is going to get some opportunity to earn the draft capital that was spent on him. I don't think they have any reason to rush Lindsey back from that broken wrist. Um, you know, he was dynamic and he showed, but if they don't, uh, if they don't take care of the offensive line, it could be a long year for for both Freeman and Lindsey. Yeah, I agree with you. We, we've both talked about this on, on podcasts before. I do think that they're going to start using Royce Freeman a little bit more than they did last year. Uh, if you really take a deep dive into his numbers, and we've, we've discussed this many times, he was not nearly as bad as many people thought he was. I mean, I do think that that would help Philip Lindsay a little bit as well. As much as I love Lindsay, um, I don't know for sure if he could really hold up being a full three-down back. I think that it would help him uh, to get some time off and allow Royce Freeman to come in there and take some of the workload off of him as well and, and be a really good good uh, dynamic duo back there with them splitting the carries. Uh, they've hi- uh, not hired. They've signed a couple free agents here. Uh, some very interesting one, uh, Juwan James, who I thought was a good one, uh, along with Kareem Jackson, and they brought back Jeff Hireman. Which brings me to, do you think a tight end can stay healthy the entire year, and would you consider Jeff Hireman fantasy relevant this year if he can? I would say no to both questions. Jeff Hireman played more last year than we saw in his first three years combined um same denver has two tight ends that are nothing but potential and injuries in hireman and jake but they haven't really used a tight end for much since julius thomas was there with peyton manning um I would, you know, I have Hireman on a few teams as a really end-of-the-bench kind of player that I throw in in a pinch, but uh, unless they significantly alter their offense, I don't really see tight end being a huge part of what they're doing. It's, uh, you know, they, they seem to have been so snake bit at that position 
over the past two or three years, it's just been crazy. Though I will say, I'm kind of on uh, Team uh, Fumagalli sleeper. Uh, I, I'd like to see, you know, he got, I've, I don't even remember what his injury was last year, but I think he was either like a seventh-round pick or an undrafted free agent. He showed a little bit of stuff when he was at Wisconsin, and so I, I, I'm interested to see if he comes in this year and, and makes a push, given the injury history of some of the other guys at that position. All right, so they only have about $15 million in cap space, so likely they are going to have to attack their team needs in the draft. Now, I want to get your opinion on this. Most places are saying that their their team needs are obviously quarterbacker, quarterbacker, quarterback, linebacker, and the interior defensive line. Do you agree with that, Matt, or do you think they have other needs outside of those three? No, I think that and offensive line, like I said, Juwan James was a good uh, signing, but Denver lost a lot of depth guys that played meaningful games for them, and they also lost Matt Paradis. So in my opinion, they have three solid starters. It takes five to play a game. They have one guy penciled in at a potential position, and then I have no idea who would play right guard. So offensive line is kind of an underrated one that I think they'll have to address in the draft because there isn't a lot of places to go in free agency. But the other would be uh, the front two units on defense. Uh, They let go of Brandon Marshall. I like Josie Jewell. He showed a lot last year as a fourth-round draft pick coming in. Todd Davis has been a fine journeyman, but um, they need – probably to beef that position up and defensive line is definitely an ongoing question they brought they picked up the option on Derek wolf they brought back uh, a couple of guys like shelby harris uh, to play in the middle um but i mean long-term solutions they definitely need uh, to do something secondary is in great shape they obviously have a pair of wicked pass rushers and miller and chubb on the outside but there are still some questions on defense and being that they went and got a kind of defensive-minded head coach, I wouldn't be surprised if that's a focus at pick 10. You don't think Elway's going to take Drew Locke at 10? I mean, it's possible, but I actually, uh, based on some of the ancillary moves they've made, I think he decided that he is not. I think Denver is going to take a quarterback in the later rounds, uh, somebody to add depth to the room, but... When they traded for Flacco and all the all that they've talked about there, and when they went out and re-signed Kevin Hogan, who they were perfectly content with allowing to be the number two quarterback for a lion's share of last year, I think they've moved on and they're going to go for other positions. Interesting. So, yeah. I, that was unfortunately going to be one of my next questions there too. Was uh, So they obviously have the 11 picks. They have two fourth-rounders there's in Houston's two fifth-rounders there's in Minnesota's, and three seventh-rounders there's the Giants and Houston's. They're picking at 10. So I was actually going to ask you if Haskins, say none of the QBs, well, we'll say Murray goes to Arizona since it seems like that's what's going to happen. If all the other ones drop, would you prefer to take one there, or would you just completely go defensive line and not worry about QB this year, worry about it next year? I mean, I don't have a great feeling about any of these guys necessarily um it would be curious if if haskins is there i think that might be hard to pass up because that would be a great value falling to them at pick 10 um so that might be one that they go for but if he's gone i just have a feeling that they will go defense um and i you know basically they have it set up if 
if this year the swings they took work, then they're in good shape. But they have zero dollars of committed money to the quarterback position for 2020. So if it doesn't work at all, they can release Flacco with no dead cap. Their backup quarterbacks are all gone with no dead cap with what they have now, and they could basically start over again. Um, so I don't know what my preference would be. Uh, it's been a long three years if you're a Broncos fan looking at the quarterback situation, whether it was Trevor Simeon or the bust uh, pick in Paxton Lynch or Chad Kelly, who gave momentary hope before being released, or Case Keenum, who signed a huge contract and wasn't really much different than what we'd had before. It's been a, a long three-year stretch. Have you? Uh... So if, if, if they don't go quarterback at 10, what defensive player would you like them to take? Or would you maybe go for someone like Jonah Williams or Cody Ford there? I mean, if Devin White makes it all the way back to us, that would be pretty incredible to me um he looks like a really great middle inside linebacker position um and i think that's something they could really use uh to solidify either that or defensive tackle um i definitely wouldn't go offensive line there i don't think that would be the greatest value pick um but somewhere to strengthen the interior defense have uh, have you done any uh, research on your own on the 2020 quarterback class at all? I mean, I've looked at a few of the names coming out, but I always don't really take it too seriously until you get closer to the actual draft class because so much can happen year to year in uh, the college situation, whether it be injuries or performances and combine and things like that. I think you have to take draft classes as they come. Uh, supposedly 2020 is a better quarterback class than what we have now. But last year was a great quarterback class, and Denver had pick five, and they decided that once uh, Mayfield and Darnold were gone, there was no one that they wanted to take a risk on. I've already wondered if they might not try to trade a second or a third for Rosen, who seems to be out there. But that doesn't seem likely to happen. I would almost prefer that to trying to take a gamble on one of the guys right now. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I would, for the most part, agree with you. I mean, we, we've uh, actually had this discussion before. Uh, I have uh, Rosen behind Haskins, Locke, and Murray for me. Uh, I can't remember exactly where Dennis, I think he had him just behind, was it behind Murray, or do you have him first uh, if you would if he would have been in this class? If, if, uh, if he's in this class, I think I went Haskins, Rosen, Murray. Gotcha. Okay, yeah, I mean, yeah, the reason I was asking about the 2020 class is it is supposed to be very deep, but you make a good point there. I mean, a lot of a lot of that could change. There's obviously three quarterbacks right now that are getting a lot of the pub in Tua, um, Justin Herbert, yeah. and Jake Fromm. And I would, so I was going to ask if there was, a, out of those three, if you had a preference, if the Broncos could get, who would they take? I don't think I really have a preference right okay. now. I mean, if we were talking about this at this time last year, we wouldn't even mention Haskins as a prospect. Yeah, so true. it's just so much so much can happen that did to him a little bit oh. last year. If they really think he has a chance to be good at leading them, it may not be beneficial to stick a high, uh, a high rookie right behind him again. All right. Well, moving on to our dynasty risers and fallers. Do you have any risers and fallers on this roster? Um, I think a riser for me would be Deshaun Hamilton. I loved what I saw from him when he got a chance down the stretch. I think that he is going to be a great receiver and may actually be the better of the two rookies they took last year. 
And sadly for me, my follower would be Philip Lindsay. Um, I still love him. I still believe in him, but it's hard to imagine him um, delivering any more on the hype that he has uh, based on what he did last year. He was an incredible value last year for where you could get him. But now when you're taking him, he's going second and third rounds in dynasty startups. He's going pretty high in redraft. Um, He would have to be at least what he was last year or better um, in order to even come close to delivering on that. Yeah, I I touched a little bit earlier on my thoughts on Freeman and Lindsay. So Freeman is definitely a riser for me. Um, You know, his yards before contact was really low last year. You know, he was getting hit in the backfield. So a lot of what's going to happen with the run game in Denver is going to depend on what they do with the offensive line for the rest of this offseason. You know, it started good with, the hiring of Mike Munchak and then bringing in Juwan James, but letting Matt Paradis go, I think is, is, uh, you know, I don't know about that move, but we'll see, you know, they got to, uh, shore up a couple positions there on the old line. And if they can do that, you know, Freeman could have a 800 yard season. I think here's my, uh, hot take Royce Freeman is Monty ball 2.0. Yeah. Wanted to openly weep every time he came onto the field last year. <laughs> well, we'll see. I I don't own any shares of Royce Freeman. I own tons of shares of Philip Lindsay. So I obviously hope that um, you're both wrong. But I, I do have Deshaun Hamilton um, right there as mine as well. Uh, I talked about him a lot last year. A lot of people overlooking him coming out of Penn State. He was a he was a phenomenal route runner, um, and I think he plays well in that offense. I do think that. If Cortland's, if it is just him and Cortland Sutton, if Emmanuel Sanders isn't able to make it back in time, I think Hamilton is due to take a big step forward because teams are going to focus in on Sutton. I think that's going to allow Hamilton to get a lot of the secondary targets. Um, and my faller, though, is still Philip Lindsay. I, I agree with both you guys. I think he's going to fall off compared to what we saw last year. I just don't think he'll be able to hold up and do what he did last year. Um, and, and just due to exactly what Matt touched on the – the value, or not even the value, where you're having to take him in drafts right now I think is a little bit crazy. I do think that Royce Freeman, regardless if he's Monte Ball 2.0 or not, uh, he's going to get more work in this offense, which is going to limit some of Philip Lindsay's upside. Uh, so I do think that he is going to fall a little bit down on this roster. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is 8-Bit Ray from the Gorilla Brain Podcast, part of the Pulse Podcast Network. Did you know that you could be using this spot to advertise your company or business? Well, I've done the research, and PodcastInsights.com report that podcast listeners are loyal, affluent, and mostly college-educated, but most importantly, are five times more likely to interact with the ad they hear on their favorite podcast than an ad from any other medium. If you would like to advertise your company or brand with our network, it's simple. All you have to do is send an email to marketing at PulsePodcastNetwork.com. I'll say it one more time, marketing at PulsePodcastNetwork.com, and we hope to hear from you soon. Moving on to the Oakland Raiders, who have made a lot of noise this offseason, and a lot of people are starting to think that they may have a chance to contend in the playoffs with the moves that they've made, going all the way back to the Khalil Mack trade at the start of this season. Obviously finished the year 4-12. and Derek Carr did not have Derek. Yeah, Derek Carr. Okay, I was a little worried there for a second. Derek Carr uh, did not have a great year, though he has been—he's proven to be elite. Do you guys think adding 
Tyrell Williams and Antonio Brown will return him to that elite QB status. Well, my first question would be, when did he ever prove he was elite? <laughs> he was an MVP candidate just a couple years ago before he broke his leg. Back with, uh, was it Jack Del Rio? He, they were, I think they were still the top seed in the AFC until he broke his leg, and then they completely fell apart. Yeah, having one good season in five doesn't make you elite. Um, I wouldn't consider Flacco elite either. Uh, so, um, in my opinion, Antonio Brown is a, is a huge get for them, and that was obviously something that Raiders fans should rightly be excited about, but they have a whole lot of other issues. They do not have, in my opinion, a complete offense. I mean, who's going to play tight end for them? Right now, the top running back on their active depth chart is Jalen Rashard. I think we're quite a ways away from seeing what that offense is going to be. And everybody got super excited about John Gruden and what he was going to do for Derek Carr last year when he started the season with Amari Cooper and Jordy Nelson. And we saw how well that didn't pan out for them either. So uh, it's good that they went out and got somebody and they need to make a splash and they need to generate some buzz before they move to Las Vegas. But I'm a long way off from thinking that uh, this is a great team or even that maybe Carr is going to be the guy. You never know what they're going to do with pick four. Uh, I saw a fun Benjamin Albright noted on Twitter that uh, when you sign Mike Glennon, as the Raiders did, it pretty well guarantees you're going to draft a quarterback. So... We'll have to see what happens with them. I saw that, too. That was hilarious. Um, I think that uh, Carr is a really good quarterback. Somewhere in the 10 to 18 range in the NFL is sort of where I would put him. Um, you know, to say really good, I guess, is is subjective. Sometimes I look at this and from the standpoint of, you know, there's 32 of those positions, and to get one of them, you have to be pretty good. The other side of it is that after this season, um, there is zero dead money on, or excuse me, let me take that back. There's $5 million, I believe, pulling it back up, uh, of dead money uh, on David Carr's contract after this season. So they've got one more season that they're kind of floating around. Mike Mayock today just came out and said that Marshawn Lynch was going to make a decision on playing next year uh, at some point uh, shortly after the draft. So I expect that after the draft that Marshawn is going to come back for next year. They're playing in Oakland. He's an Oakland guy. He wants to give back. He's going to come back. He's going to play another year in Oakland. David Carr's contract, or Derek Carr's contract, still has uh, two more years on it after this year, but only $5 million in dead cap if they cut him after next year. Whether they draft a quarterback this year or whether they draft one next year, I think this is uh, Derek Carr's last season as a Raider. Now, wide receiver-wise, yeah, Antonio Brown is great. Uh, Tyrell Williams is going to play the role that he plays. Um, they've got a good intermediate red zone guy, uh, one of my favorites in Marcel Aitman. And I think Darren Waller right now is the guy who's the, at the tight end position and has shown some ability as a pass catcher. He's a former wide receiver. And so I think he'll be able to step into uh, the tight end role that uh, Jared Cook played. 
So he isn't going to do a lot of lining up in line and blocking. He's going to be the receiving tight end. That being said, uh, I don't think they're going to have a terrifically good team this year. They might be 4-12, and 5-11. and 11. John Gruden has more job security than uh, anybody in the NFL right now. And he has convinced convinced uh, Mark Davis and Mike Mayock, they're all on the same page that they have a plan in place to uh, move this team forward, to get it moved to Las Vegas. So given where they're sitting with their contracts, they're going to play this year out. They're going to try to give back to Oakland after being there. And then they're moving on next year, and they're going to Las Vegas. And they're going to have an opportunity to bring in one of the top quarterbacks from next season, one of the top running backs for next season. I don't think they'll draft a running back, like I said. Uh, they're going to bring Lynch back. They'll roll, roll with Lynch and Warren and Richard and uh, DeAndre Washington as their running backs. They, If they uh, follow the current model, what they'll do is they'll go heavy on the offensive line and the defensive line this year, stock those positions up to get ready to draft a young quarterback and uh, start to make their run next year. Okay, interesting. Well, I, I'd be surprised if they go heavy offensive line. I actually think that they've, they've done a good job of uh, kind of sewing that up here with some of the free agent moves they've made. Um, just touching on, I mean, Trent Brown, uh, they obviously brought in Tyra Williams. J.J. Nelson, I think, is a little bit of an underrated signing as well. I think he could be a very good deep ball threat. Um, but since both of you guys seem to think that they're moving on from from Derek Carr, I, I just want to ask you, Matt, I have a feeling I know where your answer is going to go. Uh, but if they let Derek Carr go, would you want the Broncos to try and sign him in free agency next year? Probably not. No? Okay. Uh, that's what I thought you were going to say, but I thought I'd just ask. Uh, real quick, before we move on to the draft for them, they also let go of Jordy Nelson, who actually was very good in the back half of the season uh, last year. Uh, do you guys think he has any fantasy relevance moving forward? Um, a lot of people linking him back to the Green Bay Packers. Uh, if he does go back there, do you think he has any fantasy relevance, or do you think he's just kind of done at this point? Well, if he goes back to Green Bay, his history with Aaron Rodgers would make him worth at least taking a flyer on. I think if he ends up anywhere else, you have to kind of see where he ends up and um, what he does. You know, I could see, you know, him being the kind of veteran signing that New England makes, uh, considering that they have nothing uh, behind Julian Edelman now that Gronk's gone. Um, He got linked. I guess he visited Seattle. Uh, that could be interesting. I, I just think he's a guy you'd have to see where he ended up. He's definitely not what he was two or three years ago. Yeah, I don't think he's going to have any fantasy relevance. If he goes anywhere, he's going to be the locker room guy, the get you first down. But uh, you know, he's going to be the Jason Witten of wide receivers. Okay. And so neither one of you think that they'll take a um, – actually, you know what, uh, before I get to the running back thing, because I, I can actually put that in to some of the, the uh, draft questioning here. So they really don't have anybody at tight end, just Darren Waller, Lee Smith, and Derek Carey. Now, you were just saying that you think Darren Waller will step up and take over for what Jared Cook did last season, Dennis? That is correct. Do you agree with that, Matt, or do you think they possibly attack tight end in a very deep tight end class? Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they grabbed somebody later in the draft. I, I don't think they would 
jump on it early. I, I'm with Dennis, though. I think they're playing for 2020 and beyond, so um, I don't know that they're that concerned with getting flashy skill position players. They kind of have their big splash in uh, Antonio Brown. Okay. Well, they still have $33 million in cap, so it'll be interesting to see if they do anything or if they just kind of let everything play out as they do now, especially if they do end up letting go of Derek Carr at the end of this season and try and continue to focus on 2020. They do have three uh, first-round draft picks in the class this year. They pick at uh, number 4, 24, and 27, and they have 11 picks altogether with two sixth-round picks. Uh, theirs in Chicago's and two seventh-round picks theirs and Seattle. Their biggest needs are edge rusher, cornerbacker, cornerback, linebacker, and running back. So are you guys all – I know, Dennis, you were just kind of touching on the possibly going offensive line and the defensive line. I would assume that you are both in agreement that they are going to go heavy defense in this draft because I think that is their biggest need, obviously. I think their offense is somewhat set outside of the running back position, although I am I, I do believe Derek Carr is a decent quarterback. Um, so you guys think they go heavy defense? Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me at all. I think especially up early, they may go if they can get a premier pass rusher. Um, obviously, that's something they let go of when they traded Khalil Mack away. Yeah, and those guys are hard to find. Just ask John Gruden. <laughs> <laughs> just yeah, I can see them. You know, they, they should be looking at, you know, Josh Allen or Montez Sweat, Quinnen Williams uh, available at four. So they, they can get a defensive end, a pass rushing edge guy um, there. I think, you know, much like the Jets, I, I almost feel like the, the Raiders' hope is is that uh, somebody wants to jump past the Giants to get the quarterback that they want, and they'll be able to drop back again in the first round. And, uh, you know, if they can drop back and pick up more picks, you know, they can really, really load up and fortify some positions you know with with three first round picks in this draft um the opportunity is there for them to to really kick start their rebuild and prepare to bring on the skill players from next year's draft yeah that's why i think a lot of people are thinking that they might have a chance to contend this year if they're able to attack again what is a very heavy defensive draft if they're able to get three players who could be studs on the defense uh, with those first three picks in the first round i mean you are looking at a team that is somewhat set offensively yeah but they don't have uh, a great running back looks like they're going to be mixing between possibly three or four again this year but this is a deep running back class i would not be surprised if they end up trying to take someone because although they have uh, they only have the obviously one second round one third round pick this is the class where you could get a decent running back in the third round there's a lot of talks of miles sanders falling into the late second or third round so if they're able to get someone like him i I mean, you, you know my love for Miles Sanders. I think he could instantly transform that backfield for them. Uh, and there's a couple other wide, uh, wide receivers, running backs, that I could think they could grab there um, as well in this draft. But it'll be interesting to see if they do take the strategy you guys are talking about and really kind of load up defense, uh, defensive players and then offensive line and then attack the skill position players next year. With all that being said, again, I, I, I do think that they'll end up being a little bit more of a contender. So I'm interested to see where you guys have um, as your dynasty risers and fallers on this roster. Um, I think for me, you could go riser in a couple of ways. I've seen um, Derek Carr's value has obviously risen quite a bit um, with the acquisitions they've made. Uh, I also think Tyrell Williams in a place where he's a more clear-cut number two wide receiver option. Uh 
could be rising up. In terms of a faller, I have to go with Antonio Brown just because for so long he's been, you know, number one or top three among wide receivers. Uh, Derek Carr has never produced a 100 reception receiver. The argument has been that he's never had someone like Brown, which is true, but we've seen Brown's getting a little older. He's uh, obviously prone a little bit more to off-field distractions. Um, we all expected that they were going to have a huge number one receiver for Oakland last year with Gruden in there, and it never really materialized either with Cooper or with Nelson after Cooper got moved on. So I think AB can have a great year and still end up in the 80 to 90 reception uh, area where that would be quite a fall off from what we've come to hope and expect for from him. Yeah, the the thing with Brown and and Gruden, yeah, up until last year, Gruden's number one wide receiver had garnered uh, about twenty seven percent of the targets, and I, you know, I don't think we'll ever know what the thing was with him and Amari Cooper. Whether he just after watching him in college and going through the draft process and watching him, if Gruden had just made the decision, this is not one of my guys and I don't want him and first chance I get, I'm going to move him. Um, you know, cause it was weird. He's, he's a talented player and on a team that needed talent, uh, it, it was kind of strange the way Gruden traded Mac and Cooper, I guess if you're, you know, uh, let me backtrack on that whole statement now. Um, given the what we've seen be the, the the model for building a championship team, I think if now I could see Gruden looked at it and said, I've got this high-priced receiver and this high-priced defensive lineman that aren't going to fit. They're not on the timeline that we're going to be on, so let me get what I can get for them. Then I guess it makes more sense. So starting to build this team from the inside out this year is going to put them in that position. So... Is Antonio Brown going to get the 27% of the targets? Maybe, but maybe not. You know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be something. So I agree he's a faller. You know, their tight end position, I mentioned Darren Waller. He was a, a big wide receiver, I think, coming out of college. Uh, he played at Georgia Tech. So he didn't catch a ton of passes to begin with uh, because of that uh, option offense. But he did flash when he was in Baltimore some real good receiving ability. Um, so I, I could see him, uh, Sands, any uh, additions to the tight end room, I could see him being a, a riser. And then of that soup that is their running back room, even with uh, Beast Mode, if he comes back, I could still see Chris Warren establishing a uh, a solid role there. So I'm going to stick with Warren. Maybe that's just because he's a, maybe I just got an unhealthy crush on his potential as a, a Mike Allstott like grinder. I don't know. Maybe that's it. <laughs> no, I actually, uh, I like Warren as well to, to be my riser. I think that that backfield is, is a mess, just like you talked about. And I think that he's got a good chance to step up. I think Gruden will, will start to lean on him a little bit more. I, I don't want to say Marshawn Lynch is washed up, but I just I think obviously his better years are behind him. I just don't see him having a great year this year. And I think Warren is the best out of that bunch. I don't think he's an elite back by all means at all. Uh, but I think that he'll be good enough to get them through this year uh, as they focus on moving forward and going to Las Vegas. Um, a faller... 
you know, it's hard for me to say Antonio Brown, but I do think he is going to just based on the fact that he's finished as like a top three wide receiver every year. And I think he's going to finish closer to 10 to 12 this year than I do one of three. I still think he's going to have a good year. I actually think he'll approach 100 catches. Um, I know a lot of people actually don't think that'll happen with Derek Carr, but I do think he'll come close to it. But I think his touchdowns and yards are going to, are going to regress a little bit more being in Oakland um, and not being targeted as much as uh, he was in Pittsburgh because we all know when he would complain about not getting the ball, Ben would force it to him even when he wasn't open. I don't think Carr is going to do that here. I think Gruden's going to pretty much tell him to shut up and they're going to run the offense however he wants to, and so I don't think he's going to get force-fed the ball like he was in Pittsburgh. All right, well, that wraps it up for the AFC West um, and our division series. Again, Matt, thank you so much for joining us. It's, it's been a pleasure to finally get you on the podcast with us to talk about the AFC West. Um, you know, Before we get you out of here again, let everybody know where they can find you on Twitter and any of the writings with the Fantasy Life blog. Yeah, you can uh, find me at the Fantasy Life app blog. I'm at blog.fantasylifeapp.com. That's a uh, great place where we have a, a great team of writers uh, covering football um, so love to get you out there and then you can find me on Twitter at Nighthawk7734 Well, I think we would be remiss if we didn't bring up Matt's great articles about the Fantasy Movie League and his movie reviewing and all of the fun stuff he does with that, so if you're into movies you should definitely go check Matt's workout, uh, he, he does a, a lot of cool things there Um uh, for me, I'm at uh, culture underscore coach on Twitter. Uh, you can find my writings at dynastynerds.com. Yeah, I agree with you on, on his uh, Fantasy Movie League stuff. Definitely check that out. It's fun, although I disagree with his take on the Avengers. Uh, most of everything else he says, like 99% of everything else he says is correct, except for the Avengers take. Uh, but I know we're going to disagree on that. As uh, I don't want to say he thinks it sucks. It's just not as good as I thought it was. I thought it was a phenomenal movie. Um, but, uh, Matt, do you want to add anything about the Fantasy Movie League uh, before, you jump, before we jump out of here? Yeah, I do a, a preview for the Fantasy Movie League box office competition every week. You can look for that on Thursday afternoons. And uh, coming up here in a few weeks, I will resume what I did uh, the last time it actually had a season and be doing uh, recaps for Game of Thrones. And we will okay. have some fun uh, pop culture stuff uh, in the run-up to the final season, which premieres on April 14th. Yes, I cannot wait, and I look forward to reading those articles. I am a big Thrones fan as well, so I look forward to reading that, and I also cannot wait for that that, that premiere because it is going to be epic, a great final season. I think we have in, in store for us, and I actually, now knowing that because I did not know you were such a big Thrones fan, I would love to try and get you on before it ends just to get your thoughts, and maybe we can talk a little bit of a Game of Thrones before the last episode comes out and kind of get some predictions. So I'll definitely reach out to you, and we can talk a little bit about that before that happens but thank you both so much for jumping on with me today i really appreciate it um and we will talk again soon have a great day right on prepare for glory i don't know if you got your popcorn ready do you got your popcorn ready i came out the wrong line ready and he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown i would be honored Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly. Oh, they tackle him at the point of the line. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? <laughs> <laughs>